And it's such a simple thing, just getting together as a group and lacing up. I think it it changes lives. And I think that catalyst of changing lives for a mum then changes a family, then changes a community. So it's that little drop, it's that ripple effect, that drop in the water where we change one mum's life and it ripples out. And I think Australia in the generations to come are going to be, it's going to be a better place because we've got mums running. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals you never thought possible. On this episode of the RMA podcast, we talk to RMA ambassador and Brisbane mum of three, Anna Croger. I talked to Anna about her journey to finding running and what it did for her life, the reason that she keeps lacing up, and her journey to the Abbott World Majors around the globe. We talk about training and raising children and how she juggles those things. And we talk about briefly her role as a passionate advocate for women executives in sport. I really love this conversation with Anna because it actually touched on what running means to her the most. And as you'll find throughout this conversation, it wasn't so much the journey to realizing really big goals that was most important. It was about the connections that she met along the way. I hope you enjoy. So Anna... Welcome to the first real episode of the RMA podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you picked me to go first. Of course I picked you to go first. You're like my right-hand man. <laughs> A woman. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, well, how's things going at the moment with you and COVID and lockdowns and shutdowns and children homeschooling what's it been like for the last three months in your house look it's definitely um been a challenge i think for a lot of mums um i think the homeschooling was particularly challenging uh and just the lack of certainty but as a runner the fact that we have no events to train for um really made it really difficult to have that motivation. Uh, And one of the things I found really hard is actually not being able to just meet our friends for a run. Um, Certainly since we've been able to catch up now again for runs, that's brought a bit more motivation and a bit more structure to my running in the last couple of weeks. I've really enjoyed being able to say, okay, Kelly, I'll meet you on Tuesday and we'll do hills. And on Thursday, we'll do sprints. And Cass and Piper, I'll meet you on Saturday and we'll go go and do a trail run and and that sort of lifted that those spirits a bit and and having those virtual events thrown in there um i mean we did the brisbane marathon virtually a few weeks ago and that was just really great i think 
I didn't, don't think I realised how much I missed coming together as a group of RMA to do that. And we have had an RMA social run since then as well. And and it's just that that sense of connection and, and coming together again. And, you know, you don't realise how much you miss it until you come back and, and you realise how great it is just to run as a group and relaxed and, and have a laugh and and just enjoy that. Um, so certainly in the last couple of weeks as as lock, as we've had relaxation in in the various stages of lockdown it, it's got easier and easier but um for me it's really around having some certainty and knowing what you can do what you can and can't do and once we started putting some structure in place on that i you know you can get on with it but at the time where you have no structure and no certainty i found that particularly difficult for someone who lives a fairly structured life yeah and i guess too that that feeling of isolation and going from a place where it, we we just, I guess, took it for granted that we could just go out and be active with our friends and run and, and join events and plan lofty goals. And, and then it was all just taken away, like in one yeah. fell swoop, just gone. And I guess the feeling of, you know, are you doing the right thing? You know, should you even go out? should you run with somebody else, even though we were allowed to run with one other person or, you know, a few other people at certain times, that uncertainty of whether that was even the right thing to do. Do you think that was something that sort of impacted you at that time as well? Like, I guess, emotionally and mentally? Yeah, look, a hundred percent. I think that um, optics are important. And I think it, for me, it was important knowing so many people in our area and knowing so many RMA in our area. For me, it was really important to be a role model and, and not run with people. And I they definitely got to a point where I, I sort of said to the girls that I usually run with, you know, whilst notwithstanding that we're allowed to do this, I'm, I'm at a point where I won't do it. Mm. Um, and, and then the streets got really crowded. That was the other strange thing is that there were so many people out running. I then started to feel really uncomfortable with it. So that's when I pulled back and I had, I have the very fortunate ability to jump on a treadmill, but just, there were so many people out that you couldn't really social distance in your normal running routes. So, um, yeah, for, for me, running is such an important part of my life and it's something that I, I do every day and it, very rarely do I miss a day. So keeping that in my in my day-to-day has always been important and I knew that it would be in lockdown. So I absolutely made an effort to still run every day, even if it's just a, a 5K on the treadmill, 3K on the treadmill. Um, we got out walking every day um, where we could. So uh, keeping active is is just essential for my own my own mental health but also for the kids just to get them out so yeah it's so so important absolutely and that that was the hardest thing i think during that lockdown period was being able to keep that balance and being able to get the kids outside because being at home with them constantly 24 hours a day and homeschooling and trying to work and all those things plays a big toll on a family so you know what sort of things did you were you able to do with the kids during that time look we we got out on bikes a lot um i was doing a, a run a circuit i i actually not my usually usual running route because it was so busy i went a different way to our where i usually run um and the kids would come on their bikes so we'd do an 8k circuit um while i ran um, it was a it was stop start. It was much slower pace than it was a sprint to catch up to them before they hit a road. And um, mm. you know it, it it wasn't ideal, but it was something. And so we did get out every day. And 
my eldest, she was pretty keen to do one or two K running most days. So, so we did get out a lot as a family, which was nice um, where we, we didn't see other people. So that was good. And, and right at the beginning of lockdown, it was still warm enough for the kids to swim. So they were in the pool every day and quite active. So, you know, it was tough, but in retrospect, it was pretty quality time as a family with no distractions and no sport and no other, um, you know, life commitments. So there were there were absolutely moments of that were diamonds and then there were moments that were really difficult and and they varied from hour to hour but um you know it's going to be certainly a time for our family that lots of memories were created and 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 i want to hold on to those positives rather than you know how, how difficult some of that was absolutely like i think out of all of this time i'm the same i think just having that time to pause as a family and actually be all together in the one house and connect was really special. And I think a lot of people have said that, that it's rare that you actually get that, that time where life slows down a little bit, you know, we are still working we're still focusing on things, but where we can kind of just have that little bit of a pause, you're not driving all over the world and, yeah. and doing all the things you would regularly have to squeeze in to your day, especially as a mum, you know, you can actually spend a bit more quality time, which was really nice, I think. So yeah, definitely. Well, on that note about, you know, talking about children, I thought it might be interesting for some of the RMA girls to actually hear a little bit about you and your childhood and what that was like. I mean, were you a runner when you were a child? Did you, were you active when you were young and when did you start running? Yeah. So I, uh, firstly, I came to Australia when I was three years old and um, we did, my family, obviously we came from Portugal and um, didn't necessarily, uh, weren't fluent in English when we came over here um, and it was pretty difficult for my parents at the time. I, I always remember being active, but much more so with swimming. Um, and it wasn't until high school that I did probably a little bit of cross country, but I, I would never have considered myself a runner. Um, I, I did cross country. I represented the school in cross country. I was very average. I always went out for runs um, just to, you know, in exam blocks and stuff, I'd go out for a little run just to clear, the, to clear my head. And um, even at university, I remember doing that. Um, before I had kids, I think once I trained for a bridge to Brisbane with a work colleague, it was very haphazard and I wouldn't have considered myself a runner. I would never have referred to myself as a runner. If someone said, do you run? I'd go, oh yeah, kind of, um, occasionally. And it wasn't really until I had uh, Eliza, which is my third child, um, that I started running. Um, and to be honest, it was just to lose, lose weight. Um, I was going to the gym and I had quite a lot of weight to lose. Uh, and I was using the cross trainer and, um, one night I got to the gym and all the cross trainers were taken. So I jumped on a treadmill and I thought, Oh, well, this is all that's available. And really, to be honest, I, I realized that it burnt more calories than the cross trainer. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. this is a quicker and easier way to lose weight. Yeah, I'm going right. to jump on this thing again. And so I did that for a couple of weeks and then I thought, Oh, if I can run on a treadmill, I wonder if I can run outside. And so I, then I went around the block and I thought, oh yeah, that wasn't bad. And, and it built from there. And, um, and that was probably in, in the February. Um, and as we got closer, as we got through the year, I thought, oh, I wonder if I can uh, run a half marathon. 
and um, just I, just yeah, that's right. <laughs> I went bite-sized pieces. Yeah. So it was about, I think about eight, eight or nine days before Brisbane Marathon. And I said to Scott, I'm going to go out for a run. If I can make it to 15K, I'm going to sign up for the mar- half marathon next weekend. And Scott was just thinking, oh man, here's one of her harebrained ideas. This is just <laughs> ridiculous. Came back from the 15K, I said, look, I think I can run 15K. How bad can a half marathon be? And he's looking at me and he's saying to me, well, you haven't really trained for this and you're still breastfeeding. And I'm like, fuck, it can't be that bad. Yeah. Anyway, it, it was, um, I couldn't walk for about a week afterwards. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was as bad as uh, he had predicted. Um, <laughs> but what I loved about that is I came, I finished that race and I had this enormous sense of accomplishment. And I hadn't had that since I'd had kids. Um, I hadn't. I'd lost a piece of me. I was always very career driven and I'd lost a piece of me. Um, and I felt like that was putting a teeny tiny piece back in. Um, I, I had accomplished something that was not a mum or a wife or a lawyer or anything else. I, with my own body had done something else. Mm-hmm. And, and it was around that time that RMA fortunately started as well on Facebook. So um, so, so we're going back seven years now. So RMA was this tiny little um, community with, with less than a hundred women at that time. And I was just so inspired between running this half marathon and this group of women that were doing all of these amazing things. And I just didn't realize that people were out there running marathons and running ultras. And I'm like, who are these women? <laughs> um, and And I think, you know, it just it opened up a world of possibility to me and, and a world of dreaming that I had never kind of come across. And so from that first half marathon, a few weeks later, I'd signed up for another one and then another one and it just snowballed. And, and, you know, I followed you and, and a whole lot of other women on their journeys and, and I was so inspired and, and it really took off from there. And, and I've never, uh, you know, I, I just fell in love with running and, and what I could see it did for women and particularly mums. And, and I really, you know, your vision of everything that RMA was completely aligned with everything I believed in. And, and it still does. Um, I think that for me personally, and for all the women that RMA have touched in my life, it has, it has really, um, you know, allowed us to, to dream, allowed us to have connection and, and allowed us to be, you know, I a hundred percent believe I'm a better mom and I'm a better wife and I'm a better friend because I am a runner and I'm part of RMA. And, and I really believe that. And, and I, and I believe it has changed so many lives and so many women I know, um, you know, have, have changed their lives because of RMA. And so anywhere I am in the world, I, I can't help but be passionate about that and be passionate about, you know, what we can do for, for women and for mums um, just by lacing up. And, and it's such a simple thing, just getting together as a group and lacing up. I think it, it changes lives. And I think that catalyst of changing lives 
for a mum, then changes a family, then changes a community. So it's that little drop, it's that ripple effect, that drop in the water where we change one mum's life and it ripples out. And I think Australia in the generations to come are going to be, it's going to be a better place because we've got mums running. And, and I really, I really believe that because um, I've seen it in my own family and I've seen it in my own community. And so, yeah, I was really lucky that, you know, the stars aligned for me. It, it was that first half marathon. It was RMA starting and it was all at the same time. And so I've been able to have this quite incredible journey over the last seven years as RMA has grown um, with our friendship and um, and with all these women, we've been on this, you know, journey. Um, and I often I often say to, to people, you know, we're going to grow old running together. And, and I really think that that, that this is a lifelong journey that we're on. Um, and, and I'm really excited about that because so much has happened in these seven years. Um, so many life changing moments that, you know, what is the next 20 going to bring? Like there's so many adventures still to be had. Absolutely. And I think that's what stood out to me when, you know, I asked you to come on board as an ambassador. I mean, just you talking now about your experience of, of starting to run and then falling in love with running and then finding RMA and then finding that connection. And I guess deepening that passion that you have and I guess your vision for yourself and your dreams and goals also aligned with that vision in RMA. And, and so that's why you are the perfect ambassador because you have that passion and you really want that connection. And for you, it's not just about your own dreams and your own goals and your own visions. It's about inspiring and encouraging other women to have them too and coming alongside them and building them up and actually helping them on their own journey, which has been really beautiful to watch. And especially watching you as we'll go into further soon about those experiences, those really rich, amazing experiences that you've had all over the world that I guess so many people aren't privileged to be able to do, but you were lucky to be able to do those things. But what I loved about it is that you shared every step of that journey with us so you actually felt like you were part of it you know and it makes people go wow look what Anna's done like I want to do that I want to try and do that too you know and they don't feel like it's too hard it's actually possible where if you didn't have the people alongside you things always seem so much harder but when you have that community and connection alongside you anything is possible when you've got that support so did you find that when you joined but before you joined RMA to when you joined and, and obviously got to know people and a lot better and form those connections, did you feel like that was a really vital, integral part of your journey that helped you along? Would you be where you are today if you didn't have that support around you? Oh, 100%. It was integral. Um, I, I actually just, as I said before, like I just didn't realise that people did this stuff yeah. um, until until I became part of this community. And I'm like, wow, like this is, this is endless possibilities. And, and, you know, you talk about community and being part of a journey together. And I remember getting back to my hotel room after London marathon and, um, and feeling really lonely. Um, I, I had been desperate to qualify for Boston and I'd been training really hard and it just didn't happen. And it didn't happen on so many occasions. You know, I kept, I kept missing it. And I came back to my hotel room and there would have been 500 messages from RMA. I just felt like it was, it was mind blowing. I was completely not alone. 
you know, I was in the, on this journey with so many other women and so many other women, you know, were, were there with me and every step and they tracked me and the number of races I have done around the world where people have been up all night tracking me. Um, I've got a call. It would have been three in the morning in Australia and someone's called me and said, you finished. I've watched the whole thing. I've watched your dot. And I'm like, what? It's three in the morning. Go to sleep. Um, I've just, yeah, it's just been like, I've never felt alone. I've never felt alone. And I've always felt I'm doing it with a team behind me. And, um, and that's been pretty special. And I have always wanted to bring people along. So, I mean, for me, I'm so ordinary. Like I, I'm just, I'm just an average mum. And if I can do it, honestly, any mum out there can do it. And, and that's what I keep coming back to. I'm nothing special. I'm a mum of three from Brisbane. There's nothing extraordinary about me. I'm not particularly gifted at running. I'm not particularly gifted at really anything. I'm super ordinary. And I think that, you know, that's, that's probably what is most important in any message that I put out around, you know, my journey is that honestly, if I can do the world majors and if I can, and if I can go and do these races, anyone can, there's nothing special about me. And that's the message that RMA is what makes RMA so successful and makes people um, feel connected is that we don't have to be anything special. Like we are just everyday women who are just having a shot, giving it a go and trying to do our best. And all we need to do is do that, like give it our best, you know, and anybody can achieve these things. And that's why it's so vital that we have that support around us. You know, if we, if we want to achieve something, it's almost always easier if there's people behind us, you know, when you started running, I'm sure when you did that first half marathon, you would never have dreamed that you would have done the things that you have done now. But if you looked back to that time, you know, what do you think the most important thing to get you to that point would have been? Definitely. I, could not have even dreamt of, you know, doing some of the things I've done without, without RMA, because it, it just was inconceivable that, you know, you, you would run marathons, you know, maybe that was something you did as a one-off yeah. day. Um, it's not something that you did regularly. Um, yeah. I always had in the back of my mind, wow, that New York marathon sounds pretty cool. I'd like to do that one day. And then I looked into what, what it takes to run a marathon. I was like, ugh. Okay, maybe not. I'll put that one on the back burner. But, you know, um, without, without having those inspiring stories um, and having other people to look up to, it would have been a really difficult road. Um, and, and I'm not sure that I would have ever, you know, contemplated doing what I was doing. Um, and certainly around trails, I'm a very, very poor trail runner. I'm a terrible trail runner. Um, but I love being out there in the bush. And if it wasn't for, you know, you doing some of the things that you've done that I thought, oh, well, I'll, ha- I'll give it a crack. Um, I'm still really crap, but, you know, <laughs> that's okay because, you know, it's really nice to be out there and doing something you love anyway. And so I think, you know, even if you're not good at it, if you're loving it and, you, and it gives you happiness and joy, then... Absolutely. And... and and people, they're out there. People are out there inspiring you. And certainly in RMA, you'll have no lack of inspiration. Then, then go out there and try it, and and do it for the love. Um, it's not always about times and distances. It's it's about you know filling your bucket and filling you know your your life with things that you love doing. And 
And as far as I'm concerned, even if I'm a crappy trail runner, I'll be doing that until the day I die because, you know, it makes me happy. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit in terms of when you started. So you started by going to the gym and then you fell in love with running on the treadmill, which by the way, you're really good at. Like I must say, I have a treadmill in my garage and I reckon I've probably used it 10 times in the last 12 months because I don't love running on the treadmill, but I I fondly recall many times I've called you in the morning and you're on the treadmill running. And when you were running and training for these things, um, you use your treadmill a lot. Like what is it about? I just want to quickly find out before I go into your world majors, but what is it about the treadmill that you find is beneficial for you? Like what, what is it that you, would you love it? Do you hate it? And, and why do you think it's such a good tool? Do you know what? It, 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 I, I don't love it. I don't love it. But um, for me, it's, it's very much around necessity. And Scott, um, my husband was traveling a huge amount when our kids were little And if I wanted to be disciplined about running, um, really the treadmill was the tool that that allowed me to have that discipline. Um, So it's not necessarily that I love it. It's it's that it's available from 4 a.m. to 4 a.m. And if that means, and, and certainly I'm much less disciplined about my running than I was, but if that meant that I had to get a training session done at 3.30 in the morning before everyone woke up and I had to get them ready for school and Scott was overseas, then that was the, that get, that, that was the enabler. And so for me, having a treadmill was really, really important because it meant that I could do my training sessions, you know, at 10 o'clock at night or uh, at 3.30 in the morning or whenever that was. It, it was really the enabler for me. Um, do I love running on the treadmill? No, I, I definitely don't love it. Um, do do I um, hate it? I don't hate it either. Um, it, it's just a necessary tool. And so this morning was the same. Like I jumped on for 5K because the kids had had breakfast. They were happily playing. Scott had left for work. So it, it enables me to jump on, do 5K, watch the news um, yep. and and get on with my day. Um, my kids are not really at an age where I'm comfortable leaving them for 5k. So it's really an enabler for me. And, and yes, I have done crazy things like run 30k on treadmills and, and, and done that, but that's really out of necessity. And it was really about getting, being disciplined about getting my training sessions done. I'm a lot more relaxed about my training now. Um, I run for the love of running because I'm not trying to beat times. I'm not trying to get any better. I just want to be able to be fit enough to to participate and and run with others, really. Um, that's where the joy is for me. So I'm much less disciplined, but I will still use the treadmill where I need to that works around family. And I think that's one of the things that I loved about, you know, <laughs> When I would see you post, because for those listening, um, normally the first post of the day um, on Instagram is done by Anna because she's the one who's up at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> so often I'll wake up, you know, 7am and I'll see this post is already up from like two hours before and she's already done it. She's up and she's already had two hours of her day before I've even put my feet onto the floor. And I think that's um, that's actually really something really inspiring because what I noticed through this period of knowing you, Anna, is that you're really committed and you actually, you know, you share a lot of commitment and drive when you want to accomplish something. And the fact that 
you were able to use that tool to train for the majority of your world majors, really, um, while Scott was away overseas a lot of the year, you practically were being a single parent, yet you still had that goal and you still worked towards it and you still accomplished it anyway. And you use that tool to be able to train. Like, an, And a lot of people just give up and think it's all too hard. I've got three little kids. I can't be training, working, doing and getting up at 3.30 in the morning every day to get it done. But you did. What was it that made you keep getting up every day and working towards those things? Yeah, look, I never found, I, I've always found running is a great privilege. So I never found it a chore. Um, and I still, I still find running is a great privilege. I feel so lucky that I have found something that, you know, really makes me feel good and makes me a better person. So I, I think that it was never a chore. I, I had tremendous support when Scott was around, he would do anything to make sure I got out on my run and did my training. And he would, you know, he would do anything to make sure that I um, achieved that goal that I wanted to achieve of, of qualifying for Boston. So, you know, there was a lot of sacrifices, I think from my family, it was never a sacrifice for me because it was always such a joy to run. Mm -hmm. um, so there were a lot of sacrifices from a lot of other people along the way. And that was Scott and the kids um, as I was exhausted often at night <laughs> or whenever it was that there were sacrifices along the way. But for me, it was never a sacrifice. It was always absolutely a pleasure and, and just such, a, I felt so privileged that I can run and I can run in, free in this country. You know, there, there, was, there were certainly times when I really wanted that Boston qualifier where you, you got knocked down because with a marathon, as you know, you train so hard and, and it doesn't all come together. And then you get knocked back in a race, you know, you still haven't got anywhere near that, that BQ. And so for me, you know, riding that roller coaster of I get there and then, you know, it didn't come together and I'd try again and I'd try again and I'd try again. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there were a lot of sort of knockbacks and I, I did start to wonder, oh, well, maybe I'll never qualify for Boston. It'll be like one of those things that I do when I'm 90 because the times come down. Um, <laughs> yes, that will be me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and that was only ever, that was the only reason I ever wanted to get faster and train harder was really to, to qualify for Boston. Um, yeah. And certainly I know everyone laughed at me once I got that qualifier. I said, that's it. I'm retired from running fast. And everyone said, oh, no, you, you won't. You'll, you'll be back and you'll run fast. But really, I don't get a whole lot of joy out of getting yeah. personal better times. Um, taking another two minutes off my time, it really gives me no joy. What gives me joy is, is you know, being there next to one of my girlfriends when they've achieved something that's where the joy is for me in running it's you know helping women who have never run and and running with them for a, a half marathon or helping women that have never run and running their first marathon with them just to keep them company that for me is is where the joy is mm -hmm. and and getting faster and faster really it brings nothing more to my life um qualifying for boston was really all I wanted to get fast enough to do. Um, and once I did that, I have no desire to get any faster. I have no desire to be, a, you know, a better runner. I just have desire to, to run into old age, uninjured 
and and be able to have these experiences with other women um, and and get them running. That that's that's the joy for me. So my focus has really changed, obviously, since I I, I qualified for Boston and I've run Boston. I finished the world majors. I just want to run every day. I just want to run every day and I want to love it. That, that, that's all that's all I want to get out of running is is just that pure joy that I do get so when you started your running and you did your half marathon and then you you obviously had the desire to go further can you tell us a little bit about that next step for you obviously it translated into doing the world majors, but when you'd done that first half marathon, what happened then? So you obviously joined RMA and got inspired by all these women doing these amazing things. Who, by the way, I didn't even know they did those things either. It was all new to me. And then what, what made you want to run a marathon? And then what made you actually want to sign up to the world majors? Was it actually the world majors or was it just one of the races that you wanted to do? And then it snowballed from there. Yeah, it's funny. Everything was always just a one-off. I'm just going to give this a crack. So the half marathon was, the way I sold it to Scott was, I'm just going to give it a crack. I'm just going to do, it was going to be the only half marathon I ever do in my life. And of course, three weeks later, I did another one. Um, Gold Coast Marathon was the same. I'm going to give a marathon a crack. Pretty sure I'll never do one of these again. Um, And um, going down on that Gold Coast weekend, it wasn't my first Gold Coast weekend, but obviously my first marathon. And I loved every minute of it. Um, and so within two hours of finishing the race, I'd signed up for the next one. (laughs) Um, so I'd signed up for another marathon, I think a month later and then another one. And so, um, it was only ever a one-off. I'm going to just give this a crack as a Mm one-off. So I, I guess the first international race I did was Tokyo marathon. And really, again, it was a one-off. It was an international race. It's kind of cool. We could take the kids to Japan. Um, and I hadn't even heard of the world majors. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know there were a thing. So um, when I got to um, Tokyo and I was on the Travelling Fit Tour, I started to hear all these people talking about these majors and where they were up to. And I'm like, hang on a second, <laughs> there's more of these. And Scott's sitting there going, oh no, what have I got us into? So I ran this, this Tokyo marathon and, you know, within a few hours, I'm like, hey, there's a whole lot of these things that I can do. And so it really snowballed because, you know, if there's a series and you can get a big medal, why would you stop at one and get a little medal? Um, you know, that was, that was in the February and by November we'd, we were in New York and, we, and I'd run New York. And um, it's interesting now in co- it going through COVID that at the time, some of these commitments were really big commitments for our family. Um, that mm. It was really expensive. There were a couple of overseas trips, sometimes in one year. There were massive sacrifices. And what Scott kept saying to me at the time was, you've got to do it while you can. You've just got to do it. We've got to get these done while you can. You're healthy. You're able to, we can afford it. We both have jobs. Just do it while we can. And it's funny because, you know, I finished the last world major in October last year. Um, and (laughs) the world hasn't been the same since. And, and I've just, I just was so, so, so lucky that we, we did push through and do them while I was fit enough, while we were both healthy, while we both had jobs, um, because the world's a really different place. And I think there was a really good life lesson in there that, you know, take opportunities when they come to you and when they present themselves to you, because you, you really don't know what, what the world will look like, you know, or what your next day will look like. And, 
And I'm so, so glad that he really pushed me because there was a couple of times where I really didn't want to leave the kids. I really didn't like being away from my family. I hated going to, to the world majors and most of them on my own. Um, and I really hated being away from the kids and, and Scott. And so... Can you, you know, talk a little bit about that, like that experience about what was it actually like? Like, I can't imagine going. And I think when I think back to the times that I spoke to you, pretty much after every race, when you were over there on the phone or on FaceTime, when you've been over there by yourself, run an event, most of the time without the family and on your own traveling there by yourself and then going back to the hotel by yourself. And what was, what did that actually feel like? Like, did you have that sense of, wow, I've achieved this amazing goal, but I'm now alone. I know you said before that you never felt alone because you had all that support online and everything, but was there a little bit of sadness at the same time? Look, for me, there was a lot of anxiety in leaving the family. The, the, and like any mother listening to this podcast is going to understand is the preparation to go away was mm. so huge and the the organizing you know it was just I had so much anxiety and you're still you're still tapering during that time so you're organizing um you're wrapping things up for work to be away for it for whatever period of time so you've got your your work wrap up you're planning you know your three kids worth of activities and sport and homework and and a babysitter or a parent to come in and help Scott and you know the amount of planning and anxiety I, I was so anxious you know I got on that plane every time just with such a high level of anxiety and 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 guilt and guilt for leaving Scott and the kids to go and pursue something that was so selfish and and Scott never made me feel like that he always 100% supported me but it was really, um, really difficult to leave my family. And, you know, not everyone has that, but certainly for me, that was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, the running of the race, you know, and that, that itself was, um, you know, once, once you get into, once that, once the gun goes off and you start running, then it all becomes natural because, you know, you're a runner and you love it and, and everything just comes together at that moment. But, you know, even standing on that start line, often being on a start line when no one spoke English, you know, I've had some hilarious start lines where I've got no idea what the race directors, uh, the world majors, usually there's someone translating into English, but you know, um, the North Face Hong Kong, I had no idea. I had no idea even where the markers would be, you know, what the markers would look like. I, no one spoke English. Um, it, you know, being on some of those start lines were, were pretty hilarious um, and thinking, how the hell did I end up in this position? What am I doing here? Um, but, but, you know, I, I always felt um, at the end of the race that there was so much celebration and so much celebration from RMA and my little family. Um, that, and often I would get on a flight within, you know, 12 hours of finishing a race anyway, and back home again. Um, so I was, I was on the flight home pretty quickly after, after every race. And, and then we could celebrate as a family. Um, but yeah, always extremely anxious, anxious and leaving. And did you think, like you said, you felt guilty about doing something for yourself and felt a little bit selfish. And obviously, you know, you've got a very supportive family and husband and, and I know the same thing. Like I often struggle with those feelings of guilt, um, feeling that, you know, sometimes my training towards a major event is a selfish pursuit because the family 
has to really give up a lot for me to be able to have that time more than anything. It's about the time away from them training or traveling or whatever it may be. Do you feel like a lot of mums that's one of the main barriers to them participating or do you think that that's something that most mums would struggle with yeah look i think so i think it's really hard when your kids are young and and you're both battling to have a few minutes to yourself it's a really difficult time and certainly as your kids get older that becomes a little easier and it's great role modeling for them when they're young and you're you know both Scott and I needed time out, you know, my time out took like four hours worth of training. Um, yeah. His time out was like a half an hour city cat ride or a half an hour bus trip into the, into work. You know, I think that guilt is a really difficult thing, but ultimately, and in retrospect, retrospect's a wonderful thing. My kids also have really wonderful memories of my running and so does my husband and so does my family. And I think that role modeling ultimately in retrospect has been such a great thing that you know mum can go out and and do these crazy things and isn't that wonderful shouldn't we celebrate that and and I think that you know in retrospect it's been a great thing for our family but at the time it feels incredibly selfish um, and incredibly difficult to leave them but it has been a wonderful journey for for our whole family and they'll remember those things they'll remember all of that sacrifices that they made even for you and also being part of it, you know, being able to be there to cheer you over a lot of those finish lines would be a great memory for those little kids. Like to remember that when mommy did those things and I've seen them on many, many finish lines, like, and they're so proud of you when you come past and yeah, really excited and to, and participating as well themselves, which I think, you know, it's amazing to see that they want to do those things. They want to be part of it. They want to be active and they want that experience too. Yeah, definitely. They, I mean, they love, they love an event weekend. And this year has been, it's been interesting because we haven't had event weekends. So the kids are like, well, what about our annual trip to the Sunshine Coast? And so last weekend we did our annual trip to the Sunshine Coast. Even though the Sunshine Coast Marathon's not on, we still have to go because that's the that's what we do. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a funny thing that it, it's so much part of our of our family and our how how we you know how we plan our year. I remember, um, and this is probably a little a little um, off track, but I remember um, one of my kids um, at quite a young age was, it would have been prep or grade one and there was a show and tell at school and they had to talk about their holidays. And one another child in the class got up and talked about their holiday. And my child puts their hand up and said, so what marathon did your mum run there? Because <laughs> uh, my kids just assumed all holidays involved marathons. Don't they? <laughs> of course. And the teacher pulled me aside as I went to do pickup and just thought that was hilarious. That, that you know, other kids are asking, you know, what was your favourite thing you ate on your holiday? And what, you know, what was your favourite thing to do? And my kid puts their hand up and said, so what marathon did your mother run? That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I want to get a bit of an insight into the Anna who worked so, so, so hard to get to that start line of Boston because I was there um, after many races that you didn't quite make the qualifier. And I know myself, that is a really hard qualifier to get, especially at, the, at our age. How did it feel to you 
to run that qualifier. Remember, it was at the Sunshine Coast, 2000 and was it 18? Yeah. And I remember the photo. I vividly remember the photo of you holding up that, like just beaming smile ear to ear. Like what did that race actually feel like? Was that one of the only races where you just went, I'm just going to go for it? Like, was there a plan? Did you just, how did you actually approach that day? It, it is, a, you know, it was just such a strange um, day because to be honest, I wasn't training for a marathon. Um, and I had tried so hard to qualify for Boston so many times and really, um, I was training for Surf Coast Century and it was my last long run. Um, so training for a hundred K, everything was absolutely not textbook. It's the opposite to textbook. So the weekend before I'd run an ultra, the weekend before that I'd run a 30 K race sick. The weekend before that I'd run an ultra so I had actually not at all trained for a marathon. I had not at all tapered. Um, I'd done probably a hundred K plus that week leading into the marathon. I had new shorts. I had new <laughs> fuel. Um, I just copied Tina Kerwin's fuel. She, I, I called her and I just did exactly what she'd done for her last marathon. So I'd never had this fuel before. I had new shorts uh, and you basically I, did everything wrong. Everything <laughs> wrong. I did everything wrong. And, is it, you know, so I kind of just thought to myself, this is my last try, a long run. I'm just going to give it all I've got because then I'm going to taper anyway. So mm. I may as well go out. And I, I did exactly what opposite to what I'd done in every other marathon. Um, I stood on that start line and I went hard from the gun. I went from the gun, I went out and I thought, I'm going to see if I can crack my half marathon PB in the first half. And then I'm just going to hang on for dear life. And that's what I did. I, I absolutely not what any coach would ever recommend you <laughs> do in a marathon. So I went out hard. I wasn't quite on half my half marathon PB as I came to an end of the, um, the sort of the halfway point. I wasn't quite on track. I was... I think I ran a 137 half in that first half. And I thought, oh, that's not a great sign. I, I don't know if I'm going to hold on. And I just did. I just held on and held on and held on. And I remember um, Sunny Coast is a lap course. So Scott was there. And, um, you know, I, I'm not very good with numbers. Cindy is always my go-to person when, when we're out for a run. She tells me when to turn around. She tells me what pace we're running at. So I, I kind of didn't really know I was going to qualify for Boston, not really until the last few kilometres where I thought, holy crap, I'm going to run a 122 marathon here. Uh, uh, sorry, a 322 marathon here. I was going to um, say 122 would be amazing. No, sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to run a 322 marathon and all I wanted was a th uh, under 3.30. You know, I just wanted yeah. to scrape in under 3.30. And, and it wasn't really until that last couple of kilometres that I realised. Um, and uh, I... I think I was just so, so surprised. I kept looking at my watch thinking, oh, this is, this can't be right. And I ran past um, Sarah Jane, um, who, you know, is, is just a legend in this sport. You know, she was running her, I think, 98th marathon that day, something like that. It was, she was wow. going to run her hundredth in Cairns. And I just remember seeing her and yelling out to her and saying, I think I've qualified for Boston. I like, I just, I think I've done it. I think I've, this is it. And um, I'm getting emotional just talking about it. Um, and um, 
And so I crossed the finish line and I stopped my watch and I kept looking at my watch thinking, this, this can't be right. And so I'm starting to ask the runners around me, what, what time did you just run? Because I was like, this is, this is absolutely impossible. I have done, I've done everything right so many times and I have followed all the, the, you know, the rules every time trying to qualify for Boston and, and I've never done it. And here I am, I've done everything wrong. Absolutely everything you could do wrong. wrong. New shoes, new pants, new fuel, new, no taper. Everything has gone, I've done wrong. And here I am and, I, and, I've, and I've run this qualifier. And I think I was just so shocked. I, I just, I, I checked the results for the next like five weeks, every week to just to check if they, the results had changed because mm-hmm. I was so surprised. And I knew I'd run so far under a qualifier that I was guaranteed a spot. Um, so, you know, I knew that that was, that was it. Like I was going to Boston, but I also knew that I had really no desire to get faster. I felt good. I felt really good at the end of that race and I felt like I had more in me, but I also didn't have any really burning desire to get the rest of what I had in me, um, to try that again, because I wasn't going to do anything for my life. That goal off, I guess you were like, I've done it. I'm going to get to Boston. I'm going to get to experience that race. So when you, when you got the qualifier and you finally got to Boston, can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Because I remember it was a very different experience to that one. <laughs> yeah, look, I did. I, I, you know, I ran Surf Coast Century then two weeks later, which was um, a phenomenal um, experience in itself. Great, crazy race. Yes. And then I got, and then I went to Boston um, the the fo- early the following year, and it's funny because I I went to Boston on my own and I landed in the evening and I thought I'm just going to get out for a walk to stretch my legs and hopefully and I can get some sleep and I ran into Steph and I've never met Steph in Australia but I've met her all over the world I've met her in London I've met her in um, Berlin I've met her in and then in Boston and so um, it was so funny to go out on a walk and meet an Aussie RMA uh, on the like two streets from your hotel it was just such a it's such a bizarre thing um and so we had a great weekend we went and went to the red Sox game and and had hot dogs and beer and um you know boston really embraces them the marathon it's a really um a really cool place to 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 run a marathon because it's such you know the whole city um basically gets involved and it's on a long weekend so it's actually the marathon's actually run on a monday on patriots day and uh, also, I had I had a very good friend um, from Australia who's moved to Canada there with me, um, and so we could we could go um, on the bus together, and and it's really cool to be able to go uh, to a marathon on the other side of the world and have friends mm-hmm. and have so many women that you know. And so um, Jen and I caught the bus together. It was pouring with rain, and um, I thought, oh, here we go. It, the thing about Boston is it's it's almost like a small town feel with the marathon because you're running through people's front yards and they're out there having barbecues and it's kind of really different to the other world majors. All of them have a pretty different feel to them. Um, but, you know, Boston, um, I hadn't trained anywhere near, near as hard as I had trained for other races. Uh, so it did get to a point where I just thought, you know what, it's just a, a matter of really enjoying this race and taking out all the memories I can unfortunately for me the night before I'd made a massive mistake the day before the race I'd let myself have a day sleep and I essentially I slept all day um 
the night before I, I woke up at like 6.30 in the evening and I couldn't sleep and it got later and later and I got more and more anxious and then it was two hours before I had to leave for the race um, and I was still wide awake. Um, and so um, I think I'd had like an hour and a half sleep before the race um, and I, I had that really jet lag queasy feeling on the bus like I had a vomit bag and I just I did not feel good at all and so I, I knew within the first couple of kilometers that I just had to embrace what what it was and embrace that race and take out every memory I possibly could from it and enjoy it um, with my whole heart and and that's and that's what I did and I did I loved I loved every moment of it um, and I, I got back to the hotel I think I called you and Scott and I fell asleep fully dressed in my yes. gear, shoes and all. Um, I was so exhausted. Um, after I got off the phone to both of you, I just, I just slept and I woke up and I was still in my, my shoes. I was, my <laughs> hair was all matted. Yeah, I just, it was, I just stunk and I was starving. <laughs> um, but you know, ultimately these are about life experiences. These aren't about times and, and I couldn't even tell you what my race times were for any of the world majors. I can tell you so much about each of those races, but I really couldn't tell you my times. Um, and I think that says a lot to me is that no one cares and I don't really care about the time. I care about that experience. Um, and so, you know, that's really important for me going forward is that, you know, I want to make memories. I don't want to make, you know, I don't want to make uh special finish times I want to I want to build memories and I want to create memories and I want to get other women to have the same the same experiences absolutely and I think now it's even more important to embrace those feelings because like when you think back on what you've achieved over the last six seven years you know from your first race to doing the world majors and the marathons and then you know surf coast century hundred when someone asked you about that the first thing that comes to your mind isn't the time. It's about the experience and what you learn and what connected you to that experience. And, and that's something that someone else is going to connect with. It's if you say, oh, well, it took me this long, they're not going to connect with it as much as if you said, oh, this is what I saw and this is what I heard and this is what I felt and this is how, how you know, it made me feel so amazing. And then I went on to do this because I felt that. And like, as you said, the snowball effect of you running race after race was probably because of the way you felt after every race. If you had a really bad experience, you probably wouldn't have kept going. Or if you didn't feel connection with somebody else in, in your network of people, you wouldn't have kept going. Yeah. So I think that's what resonates most. And even me now on my journey, I've done the times I've done the trying to get a specific goal time. And maybe it's just that I'm older now. Maybe it's that as well. Um, but it's also that when I think back to the times when I felt most proud of myself, it wasn't about the time on the clock. It was about what I experienced and what I felt on the journey. And I can see that in your experience as well, definitely. Um, yeah. I wanted to just ask you too um, quickly about your work because now you're actually working in the sport field as well. So before you were actually obviously a lawyer um, and before you know, can you tell us a tiny little bit about how you got into that arena now from being a corporate lawyer to now being in sport? Yeah. Uh, look, I've always 
loved sport, um, but I've always seen that there is a lack of female representation in sport. And obviously um, sport is, is an area I'm passionate about. And, and anyone listening to this podcast will know that I do, I do things with heart more than I do things with head. Um, And so I, I wanted to get into sport because I wanted to make a difference. I want, I want to see women, um, and girls in sport from grassroots right through to the boardroom. And there is a massive lack of representation. I think we've come a long way, but we're still not seeing women represented as umpires and coaches and in the executive realms the way we should be. And so for me, aligning my passion with what I can give back to sport, you know, I've got a skill set that I can, I can give back to sport um, with, you know, my, my, business and law background and I can I can add value in sport but also I can be a role model to other girls and other women um, to show that you know from all levels um, women should should and can be represented and I want to be able to add value in a way that I can also be a role model and an example for, for women and girls in sport so I've been really fortunate in my career I continue to be blessed with amazing female role models, both on a personal level, but also in a career trajectory as well. And I've been really, really fortunate in the last couple of years that I've had some amazing role models in my life and and, um, women that have accomplished a lot in sport who have really um, steered me in the right direction and and had my back when I needed it and have been uh, tremendous role models. So um, I feel very, very fortunate. Um, there's been ups and downs in my career, just like there is in in any aspect of life. But I feel really lucky that I've had the opportunities I've had and um, that I can continue to give back in, in something I'm passionate about. Mm. And I think you'll go far. You're doing an amazing job. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I wanted to just quickly ask too, um, you know, your kids are such an integral part of, well, of any mum's life, but specifically I see you, you're really hands-on mum, like you really are, you get right in there, the nitty gritty of every day. What do you want the kids to see when they look at you in terms of when you aspire to your goals and you walk, work towards them? What is it that you want your kids to remember about you and your commitment to your, well, not only your sport, but your goals and, and your career? What do you want them to say when if someone was to ask them about you what would be something you would love them to remember about you yeah I think my kids see that I'm really hard working like I I, whatever it is I'm doing I I work really hard I I always give you know I always want to give back and and you know for me in any form of whether it's community it's really important to give back both on a, on a volunteer level and also to contribute to the community you're part of. And so um, one of the really important things for me is, is being involved in their school and in their sport life. And, and, you know, that, that sense of giving back to community is really important. So I think, I think ultimately they'll see that I'm, I'm really determined and I'm hardworking, but also, also that there is, an element that no matter what you do in life, you, you contribute to that community and you give back to that community. And, and that's something that, you know, is a really important value for me. In, you know, if your kids are at a school, you give back to that PNF. If your kids do a sport, you, you manage that football team. No matter what it is in life, you, you contribute to your community and you, and you be part of that because what you get back in return is tenfold. And, and I think that 
that's been a really important thing for me. And, and RMA has been a large part of that. You know, my kids see women out there supporting women and, and I want them to know that, you know, where, whatever you do in life, you support other people and you give back to that community. And, and I think that my kids definitely have seen that through RMA, but also through the other things that, you know, Scott and I both do as parents. Mm. And you do a really good job of that. I don't know how you have all the time that you <laughs> do all those things, but you're amazing. Like you really are. You give back a hundred percent. Like really you do. I'm so thankful for all the things that you've done for me. I, as I said, I, what I've got got back is a hundredfold what I've put in and, 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 you know, hand on heart, I would, you know, do more and it, it, more in a heartbeat because what I get out of, out of the, the, things that I'm part of and, and RMA in particular is, is a hundredfold what I've ever put in. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well, I think we might wrap it up, but before we do, I just want to do what I'm going to be calling for our podcast, the RMA hot lap. So it's just going to be five rapid fire questions. Oh. You've had no experience with these questions before, so they're not hard. Um, so quick answers. So what is your favourite race fuel? Uh, favourite race fuel? Or um, probably I used to win at Sunshine Coast Marathon, so I'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> favourite thing to wear when running? Uh, body glide. <laughs> Or Vaseline. (laughs) That's right. Favourite or essential. (laughs) Um, One thing you can't go without on a long run. Uh, My watch. (laughs) So I know when to turn around. Because did it ever happen if it wasn't on Strava? Oh, that's exactly right. No, more to the point, I can never find my way back. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Favourite running moment. Oh, I've had so many of those. Well, you got to pick one. Um, look, I uh, favorite running moment. Um, all my favorite running moments involve um, uh, being with someone. I loved. Um, I love. I've loved running a couple of PBs um, with Cindy when she's run them. Um, I've loved being there for many of my girlfriend's first marathons. I loved running into your arms at Surf Coast Century, wet and cold and having no idea what was going on most of the time. Um, I've had so many incredible moments. But, you know, ultimately all of my favourite moments, they've been around being with someone and and being part of a, a journey with someone else. The World Majors were amazing. Uh, qualifying for Boston was amazing. But they're not my favourite running moments. My favourite running moments are the ones where I've been been with someone on a journey. Mm, I love that. Last one, one word to describe your experience so far. One word? One word. Do you need a thesaurus? Incredible. Incredible. I love it. Yeah. It certainly has been. Well, thanks for joining us, Anna. Thanks for having me. I've loved being part of the first podcast. I was super excited. I'm very honoured. You know, I can't wait to see these podcasts develop and um, being able to share those journeys with with the community. Um, There's so many amazing stories out there. As as I said, I'm, I'm very ordinary, but there's some really extraordinary women in our community and I can't wait to hear their stories and I can't wait to have them shared um, with with all the other amazing women in, in our network. So I'm super excited about this new project. Oh, thank you. And you're especially one of those amazing women. You really are. 
Well, I hope you really loved our conversation with Anna Kruger. I loved learning about Anna's journey to running and what keeps her inspired and moving. I really loved that our conversation ignited the fact that it wasn't always the lofty goals that made Anna keep lacing up day after day, but that it was the connections that she made along the way. I look forward to bringing more of these stories to you. Until next time.